your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. All right, welcome to the Locked On Longhorns podcast. It is Friday. Uh, man, I, I'm excited about today's show, pack show. Uh, but before we get into the show, I want to remind you, you can follow our social media, LO underscore Longhorns for the podcast Twitter account. You can follow me at Pat Sports Guy. You can follow Cammy at Cammy and G Cammy. Happy Friday. Uh, I know we get lost with what day it is, but it is Friday. I'm excited about it. We're going to talk a lot of Longhorns. We're going to dive right into some unique things to, uh, to talk about. Matthew McConaughey's got something going on. Colt McCoy. Uh, could Greg Brown be going to the G League? And then we're going to get into some more football talk. Uh, but are you excited to talk some Longhorns on this Friday? Oh, I am. I'm actually happy it's Friday. The days are kind of settling in for me. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to the weekends again and uh, get to wake up and kind of slow down and take your time and sleep in or whatever have you. But yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot going on right now, finally. Finally, yeah. So let's get into this Texas Longhorns experience. Uh, so in in light of this all-in campaign that they are doing, that celebrities are are doing, Leonardo DiCaprio challenged Matthew McConaughey to get involved, and he is providing a pretty awesome experience that I think a lot of Texas fans will be happy about. So what they're doing is you can basically buy raffles, and in this raffle, you get a unique experience with for the University of Texas with Matthew McConaughey. Does that sound like something you'd be interested in? Um, Yeah, who wouldn't? I mean, not, you don't even have to be a Longhorns fan to really be interested in doing something like that with him. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's great. So if you want to get the full VIP experience, uh, you enter the sweepstakes. It includes, if you were be the pick, it's you and one guest, a one-night hotel stay, airfare, a Texas Longhorns game day package, and you get to hang out with the Minister of Culture himself, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Cami, how much money are you gonna be putting towards this? Oh, I mean, I might put a, a good chunk, but I was just thinking about that. I I couldn't imagine how fun that would be. He just seems like such an upbeat and positive and uh, fun guy to be around in general. So I can't imagine when it's um, involving um, an intense sport that he's obviously so passionate about. And hopefully, whoever wins this competition is just as passionate about Longhorns athletics. So. I don't know. I, I think that's a great idea for him to do, and I'm sure they're going to raise a lot of money doing that. Oh, yes. Uh, the So the proceeds are going to go directly to Feeding America, Meals on Wheels, World Central Kitchen, and No Kid Hungry. I think it's fantastic. And if you were to tell me that you weren't interested in this, I was going to pop off with a McConaughey comment and say, be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> yeah, but you know me. I, I would be all about that. So it makes me wonder. I have a question here. If you could have a Texas Longhorn experience with any athlete past or present, which athlete would you pay $200 towards helping any of those proceeds going to any of those organizations? Which one, who would your pick be? Gosh, that's hard because you can think about not only who had successful collegiate careers, but also professional careers. Um, I'm leaning the, I'm just going to go with the first name that came to mind and it was Colt McCoy. 
I'm leaning Colt McCoy here, but I mean, there's several great ones. Earl Thomas might be one of my top five. Ricky Williams would probably be up there. Um, if I was going to pick a current player, it would be Sam Ellinger. So I don't know. I think you could pick several here. I'm I'm shocked by that, honestly. Sam Ellinger, <laughs> I, I didn't see that coming. Actually, I was surprised you didn't say Miranda Ellis. Ooh, see, I was just thinking football. Oh, I'm just saying Texas Longhorns experience. Oh, then that's a whole other – oh, yeah. That's a whole other ball game. You could pick so many. I'm, I'm going to go uh, with Bryce Elder. I think he would be fun to hang around and – and get some tips on pitching. You know, I know I'll never be able to be any good at it, but you know, get some tips from him, hang out, watch baseball. That might be fun. Okay, so speaking of Colt McCoy, who you brought up, Colt McCoy, uh, he what exactly was this Colt McCoy's message that he put out? Yeah, so uh, well, first off, I think we need to give props to the Texas Longhorn social media department because they've done such a great job of attempting to keep the spirits high in and around Austin lately. Um, and they just recently released a video on Wednesday via Twitter that reminded kind of everyone of better days ahead or better days are to come. And Colt McCoy actually narrated that short clip and he kind of reiterated the meaning of Texas fight. And um, he kind of expressed to Longhorns fans to keep their horns up. And um, it showed a lot of cool graphics of the stadium uh, being full and everyone's phones lit up or the tower being lit. And he was just reminding everyone that um, basically not to forget the rich traditions surrounding Texas football and that uh, he even mentioned the eyes of Texas will be shouted uh, in a full stadium again soon. Um, The tower will be lit again. Um, Basically just saying we will get to have that ability to enjoy the happiness of sports again um, whenever that day comes. But I just thought it was a creative, again, uh, uplifting message by the Texas Longhorn Social Media Department. Yeah, it, it's it's good. I think you're right, though. It's, it's important to keep the spirits high because I know a lot of people can be kind of down with, with everything that's going on right now and in the world and, and not having sports in our lives or not even able to go and enjoy the things that uh, that we've taken that we took for granted, you know, going going to a bar to have a beer or two, or you know, just hanging out with friends on a patio somewhere. You know, those are things that we took for granted, and right now we can't do any of those things. So I understand that, and I and I like the positive messages that the social media team is putting together, that the current athletes at the University of Texas are are trying to, you know, put out there the the previous athletes, you know, whether they're, you know, pro sports or retired athletes. I, I think it's it's a good idea to try to keep our our spirits high. And I really like what Colt McCoy did, and I, I really did enjoy that message. Now I want to get into something that's not so great. Um, so in the in – the, uh, the culture now with the NBA uh, in years past, they did away with the ability for a player to go straight from high school to the pros. Uh, And they made it to where you had to go to college at least one year. So, you know, players like Zion Williamson, he had to play a year and then he went to the pros or Carmelo Anthony, you know, the days of like a Kevin Garnett going straight to the NBA are, are gone. And now it's been, Changed a little bit with this new NBA G League. Last year, it was they were allowing kids who played in high school to go straight to the G League, and they could make a lot of money for an 18-year-old 
uh, some contracts for five hundred thousand. Oh yeah, I saw that. And so here, five-star prospect Isaiah Todd, he decommitted from the University of Michigan, and he's expected to sign an NBA G League deal, and uh, that's going to join the new Southern California team that features also Jalen Green, who was another high school star. He was going straight to the G League. So now the question begins, is Greg Brown, who is has been – Known to be a player who was who said one and done, that's it. He's going to college for one year and off to the NBA. Could he just totally skip going to college altogether to go play in the G League for a year, especially with the climate of not knowing if and when we're going to have college sports? Well, I think it's definitely um, a higher probability probably than it would have been uh, before these two um, other highly rated recruits decided to go that route. But it makes sense. Like, it's really hard to argue against because, one, you're getting probably better development uh, for a future career, and you're getting all your school paid for still. Um, obviously, all of them would probably get full rides, but, I mean – you're getting the money, you're getting that development um, on the court, and you're also getting basically free education. So it's really hard to argue against, uh, especially if you have that kind of one and done mentality. So I think it's definitely a possibility. I don't exactly know um, which way, like whether he would even want to do something like that, whether he's debating it, whether he has been debating it. Maybe he knew all of this was going to come out weeks ago. Um, We don't know. So I don't know. I really have no idea whether he'll go that route or not. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. Obviously, there's nothing concrete out there saying that, that Greg Brown is even considering this. But as soon as I saw the report of those two, that was my first thought. I was like, okay, is Greg Brown going to just bypass the University of Texas altogether, go play in the G League for a year, and then go into the NBA? Uh, you know, he he's going to get an op- – he could have an opportunity to play – uh, he's obviously going to make money while he's doing it. It's hard to argue that, especially an 18-year-old kid with that amount of money being thrown in front of you. I don't know that I could say no if I was in that situation. Yeah, same here. And I really think this is a stepping stone of how the future is kind of going to be. I think we're going to see, obviously, a lot better competition in the G League. I think a lot more highly rated recruits are going to go this route um, if they're kind of expected to be a one-and-done um, player in college. So I think it's just kind of the beginning of what's to come. Yeah, I think the landscape is definitely going to change. And it it really started uh, with that new policy. And I think this is really the first we're really hearing of it. And I guess because of the fact that I guess news now gets uh, news of these types of deals coming out, I think with nothing else going on, it's just I guess now it's brought to our attention. And, and so that's why I was I was just wanting to get into a discussion on that, because if Greg Brown does do that, uh, honestly, I, I really think that that really hurts the University of Texas men's basketball team uh, for the next season, because I, I feel like they need Greg Brown to to hopefully take that next step and be a higher competition level in the Big 12 and hopefully get into that bracket of of competing with the Kansas and the Baylors, you know, and, and trying to get Texas back towards the top where they were under Rick Barnes. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, if in, I mean, obviously Shaka should be a, a bit nervous here because he really needs uh, Greg Brown in terms of the recruiting trail and also uh, getting his team back on track next season. So Shaka is obviously on the, the hot seat. And the, yeah, I can't imagine how he's going to feel if Greg Brown actually um, goes to the G League or basically anywhere other than Texas. That would be a huge loss. Yeah, but, and we'll probably get into that more once we're we're still waiting on Greg Brown to make his official announcement of where he's going to commit. But coming up next, we're going to get into three hurdles that ESPN thinks that Texas needs to get over to be back. All right, Cammy. so ESPN came out with this article about how Texas can be back. It's obviously an on-running joke that's been going on for pretty much the better part of the last decade. Uh, ever since, I guess, Colt McCoy left the University of Texas, went on to the NFL, Texas just hasn't been at that same level that they were in the 2000 to 2010 area, era. And so ESPN came out with this article, and the first thing is, the, and, and this is really funny to me, coordinators coordinate. Well, I guess not much more needs to be said in that aspect, but I I get what they're coming from when they say that because it's kind of a, a really bad timing uh, to bring in two new coordinators, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator with um, all the coronavirus stuff going on and not really being able to be around your players and things like that. So I think that obviously um, kind of brings some uncertainty uh, for people on the outside looking in. But Herman actually told the statesman, Austin statesman in March, that all the first and second down uh, plays were actually installed in January and February. So they were just going to use the spring for situational football. So I don't think um, it's too much different uh, bringing in these two new offensive defensive coordinators. But obviously in a normal offseason, um, they would have plenty of time to get to know their players and things like that. So um, I know it's kind of a setback, but I really um, think we're going to have some type of improvement this coming season. I know uh, Mike Yersich is going to um, get their explosive players involved. Uh, Ellinger spoke a lot about how he has a lot of creative uh, plays to get those um, playmakers involved and outside and get them in space and things like that. So I'm looking forward to it. If Ellinger is that excited uh, for the plays he's seen so far when he hasn't even seen the whole playbook yet, um, it should obviously bring some type of hope around here. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I just thought it was a funny comment. Coordinates coordinate. Obviously, Tom Herman doesn't want to be involved in play calling. I mean, he said that. He doesn't want to be. And obviously, there's a reason why you bring in Mike Yersich. You don't bring in an offense coordinator uh, like Mike Yersich with his background and not hand over play calling to him. Uh, we've seen through social media posts, um, some of the clinics that they're putting on and and showing some of the ideas of what they've got. So we kind of got an idea of, of how fun it should be. And, and hopefully he's taken what he learned from Ohio State. He brings it here. Texas is a lot better offensively. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, it's it's tough because of they're changing the scheme completely. So I think it's even more so uh, difficult on the Chris Ash side because they're changing from that three-three-five to probably mm -hmm. more of a four-three scheme. Um, you know they got to get their players involved, and that kind of goes into the the next point that the writer had 
And that was that they need to get to find a defensive end. And I think that's something that me and you have talked about a lot, especially on this podcast. Defensive end is a definite position of need. If you go back last year, the Texas Longhorns defense didn't have a player outside of Joseph Asai with more than three sacks. And honestly, it took that bowl game for Joseph Asai to even get to the number five. So that just shows you that there really wasn't any kind of production from the position. Uh, and now they're going to move Joseph Asai into that jack position. He's going to rush the passer. They've signed five-star defensive end Alfred Collins. That should help a lot. So they're definitely looking, and, and with the recruiting trail that they're on right now, they're definitely trying to find even more. Uh, there's Landon Jackson uh, out of uh, Texarkana. He's a highly touted recruit, and many feel he's going to go to Texas A&M. But, you know, Texas is after him. They've been after the defensive end position for, it seems like, months now. So I don't think that's anything – I don't think it's much of a revelation to say that Texas needs to find a defensive end. Yeah, I don't either. And I think we can all tell by their recent offers on the recruiting trail that they have made it a priority to strengthen the defensive line. I do think in terms of your such and Ash, um, Ash does have the, I guess, harder job this offseason to turn this defense around. But um, injuries were definitely a part of last season um, in terms of them being one of the worst units in college football. I mean, Caden K- Stearns, Chris Brown, B.J. Foster, Anthony Cook, um, They just had tons of injuries, especially in the secondary. So um, I think they're on the right track. I don't think um, all of this uh, coronavirus, things like that, is going to impact the new coordinators too much. No, I I don't think it impacts them as much as maybe it it might if it was a later hire. But uh, we knew relatively early who the defensive and offensive coordinator was going to be, you know, long before any of this happened. So, you know, they've – been able to you know kind of get involved early on uh but again we all know and we've all talked about this that texas needs to generate a pass rush whether it comes from the defensive end blitzing in the second third levels but they have got to find a way to get to the quarterback and disrupt the passing game so that the texas defense playmakers can try and make plays and get the ball back for the offense i mean that's that's a huge deal like i said it's not something that's foreign to us we kind of talk about that a lot and the third point that they went on to talk about is speed on the perimeter mostly they were discussing the ability to rush around the edges uh and and obviously asking about speed i don't think that there's a lack of speed if you look at keontae ingram and when you look at uh, roshan johnson uh, Jordan Whittington will probably be in the mix. I know he's moving to wide receiver, playing in the slot, but he's also going to be in the backfield a little bit, uh, according to Tom Herman. And then you factor in the fact that they have Bijan Robinson coming in. And if you look at his numbers, he put up some gaudy numbers out in Arizona. I mean, 20 yards per reception as a running back. Obviously, he's got some speed. And so I don't think that there should be a question, as far as the running backs are concerned, about speed coming around the edges rather than between the tackles yeah of the three points ESPN made here this was the one that kind of made me scratch my head because I do understand losing the speed of Devin DuVernay um obviously he's one of the fastest wide receivers or players in the NFL draft coming up next week but um you do have the addition of Jordan Whittington like you mentioned that will be coming out of the backfield at times you do have incoming Bijan Robinson um Jake Smith is uh 
pretty decent speed with his feet. He's going to be playing a much larger role in the slot now that DuVernay is left. So I really um, don't know whether they just were forgetting about uh, Jordan Whittington a little here or what Bijan Robinson is capable of, but really uh, the only difference from uh, this previous season to this upcoming season is the loss of DuVernay in terms of speed. Yeah, and if you look at that, and I think, you know, they've, like you said, maybe they, they forgot uh, about Jordan Whittington. Here, here's another name I'll tell you who who's a guy that I know can run, uh, having seen him in person play in, in at Carthage, and that is uh, Keontae's brother, Kelvante Dixon. The guy has speed, and he's coming in as a wide receiver. Yes, he's a freshman, but he's going to provide some speed, and as we all know, speed gets you on the field a lot quicker. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I forgot about that, that uh, he committed and it's coming in. So, yeah, they could find creative way to, ways to get him on a field for sure. Yeah, so I, I just thought it was interesting. And if those three things are what is holding Texas back, uh, it, should, it shouldn't come – how should I put this? It shouldn't be something that people think isn't going to happen. I think the talent has always been there, no question. It's it's always been a matter of the coaching putting it together, whether it was, you know, Tom Herman or Charlie Strong. It always seemed like they had the talent. It was just putting it all together on the football field on every single Saturday. I agree. I think it's always been a mix of, like you mentioned, coaching and player development. But when you um, break down player development, that obviously um, relates back to coaching. So I guess in the grand scheme of things, they just haven't been able to put together the right coaching staff. Yeah, that's always been the tough deal, uh, putting the the right coaching staff together. But um, it remains to be seen if we finally have a coaching staff together that will actually take Texas to the next level where they need to be. All right, but uh, we're going to take a quick break. And coming up next, we're going to get into a certain transfer coming to the University of Texas, as well as our Fun Fact Friday. All right, Cammie. So... The Texas softball team, but we know Miranda Ellis is going to be back. We know Courtney Day is going to be back. But now Texas is going to have another pitcher, this time a left-hander. Molly Jacobson is transferring to the University of Texas to finish out her collegiate career. Sounds like Texas is going to have a stockpile pitcher. <laughs> I was just going to say, they have to have probably the best pitching rotation in college softball, there's no doubt. And let me just tell you, this – Molly Jacobson has had two streaks of 20 plus innings of not allowing a score. So we're talking 20, I think 23 and 26 inning streaks of not allowing a single run. And so she's definitely talented. And now she's coming to a team that has, that is chock full of talent. Well, maybe that lessens the strain a little bit on Miranda Ellish. Yeah, it probably does. They probably won't have to be so reliant on Elish. Like we mentioned, uh, they were always having to bring her in whenever they were in trouble um, in the last inning or two, even when uh, she wasn't expected to uh, have to pitch that game. But um, you're right, it should lessen the strain on her. They probably won't have to use Elish as much, but um, it's kind of like an iron sharpens iron thing. I think their uh, strong suit is their pitching rotation, and obviously that just got stronger with this transfer. So um, they're in, they're in great shape heading into next season. Yes, yes, they are. Speaking of staying in shape, Sam Ellinger is trying to stay in shape, keep his mind sharp, and stay physically fit so whenever football can resume, he can hit the ground running. 
Yeah, there was actually a very uh, interesting article posted today that I believe was from Brian Davis of the Austin American Statesman. And it kind of went through um, how he's been handling this quarantine and his daily routines and how he's staying positive and uh, what he's looking forward to and things like that. But they did discuss um, his daily routine and they basically said he gets up at 630 in the morning every day and lifts weights in his kind of makeshift garage. Um, they have web meetings with assistant coaches or the entire team after that. And then after the web meetings, he'll go run on an open field. And then he's got online classes in the afternoon from about noon to 3 p.m. After that, he does mobility work and treatment. And then late in the afternoons, he'll go throw and then eat dinner and wake up and do it all over again. So it's, he seems very focused just the way he's um, talking. He's obviously spending a lot of time with Herman throughout all of this as well. So um, I think everything relating to Ellinger at this point has been positive. Yeah, that seems laser focused on, on what he's doing and what he's trying to do. Um, you know, and that's good. And maybe that's what it takes for Texas to take the next step is for him to do everything that he can on and off the field to make sure that he, his mind is sharp, his body is ready to go, and he can go out there and do what Ellinger has done the last few years, and that's just get better with each and every season, with each and every snap, each and every game. It just seems like he just gets better as time goes on. Right, and I think it's kind of sinking in that um, he is a Heisman Trophy candidate heading into a senior season, and he's obviously mentioned how excited he is for Mike Yersich to come in with his play calling abilities. So I think it's um, he's I guess he's knowing and realizing that this is his last chance, and um, he's obviously in great position for a lot of success. And let's hope that plenty of success comes with it. All right, Cami, it is Friday. It is time for Fun Fact Friday. And I'm going to give you a take that I've put on social media recently, and I'm getting a lot of pushback. Uh-oh. I hate Pop-Tarts. All of them. Oh. Um, I probably haven't had a, a Pop-Tart in a long time, but I grew up loving those. But I, I'm kind of different because everyone has a different way of going about eating them, I guess. Some people toast them, some like the icing, some like the outside edges. And I'm actually one that does not toast my Pop-Tarts, and I prefer the outside edges. I'm not huge on the uh, icing or whatever's on top. I mean, if you're going to give me a Pop-Tart-like treat, give me a, the what is it, the toaster strudels? Ooh, those are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I'm, I'm, I'm all in on. But if you're going to hand me a Pop-Tart, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, that's I interesting. That. I haven't had one in a while. I just thought it was funny because we were um, obviously there's no sports. So we're talking a bunch of random stuff, right? Um, You know, people know that my love for Whataburger, my Mm -hmm. love for Mexican food, queso, Dr. Pepper, sweet tea. Uh, And then we got into breakfast talk. You know, we talked a little bit about cinnamon toast crunch. I love that. And then when I said my pop tart comment, I got a lot of hate. Yeah, I've been seeing a debate about whether to uh, toast those or not. So I was curious where that came from. Maybe your tweet is kind of what sparked that. Uh, I saw it. I think I saw a, a tweet with, I think it was from the actual Pop-Tarts Twitter account. And they said, um, you can only pick two to keep or whatever. And it was like nine different ones. And I said, they can all go. And that's what people, people did not like that. They're like, what are you doing? Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're good at stirring up drama on there. I am not. I am. I'm a victim. (laughs) I am innocent. I'm innocent. That's all I'm going to say. Whatever. 
That's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune in Monday as we're going to talk a little bit more about this Longhorns of the Century. For Cammie, I am Patrick, and we will talk to you on Monday. Hook them.